Hello, this is Jimmy with another Truth Podcast. Coming back at you again with my buddy uh, Kevin Trudeau. Unfortunately, Kevin and I seem to have broken all of my recording equipment because we talked for about three hours. And unfortunately, the only thing I could say was just this middle section. So it's going to start wonky and end a little wonky. But I have uh, asked Kevin to come back so we can uh, talk a little bit more. I think he's all right with that. I hope so. Sorry, Kevin. But it was a great conversation. It started off with us uh, getting some history and stuff like that about each other because, you know, we we know each other from being in bands and stuff like that, but we never uh, talked, I don't know, that much at all. But, man, it was really great. He is a really great dude, loves Aurora, loves music. And, uh, man, I had a really great time. It's kind of a one of those podcasts where you just like you get done and you feel like uh, you feel good you know it just feels good to reach out and talk to somebody man and I hope you guys like it so yeah it's going to start wonky (laughs) like in the middle of a conversation and it's going to end like when we're talking some coffee and geeking out so uh, love you guys Uh, thanks again Kevin Trudeau you are the best you guys can uh, find him uh see Kevin Trudeau his last name T-R-U-D-O he's got uh, I think I found him I found him on the internet you could find him everywhere <laughs> but uh, please check out his music it's fantastic uh, I think I found it on uh, what's that thing called SoundCloud or maybe something like that I'll try and leave a link in since I can't remember anything but yeah you guys uh, take care and thanks again All right. Hello. 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 All right. I got to be up on this thing. Get up on it and talk into it, Jim, with enunciation. Up yet. I still, (laughs) you know, it's funny. I'm 46 years old and there's a lot of days when I just can't wait for the kids to go to bed so I can come downstairs. It isn't every night, but I'd say three to four nights a week. I'm down here for, you know, two, three hours in my little area that I got set up and I, and I practice and I play, you know, and I, I focus and I try to just think about music. I listen to it for a while and then I try to like write some and I, a lot of times I just learn and I just play and I just try to take apart what's inside of it. And I don't feel like I know more about what's magical about music. And you had said that there's all kinds of different things in there and it's the same. I listen to music the way I read. I, I just like what I like. 
And if it's a pop song, it's a pop song. And if it's fucking aggressive, then it's aggressive. And if it's, you know, folk, it's folk. I, I like jazz, but like, I don't like all of it. Some of it I think is just hokey and crappy, but <laughs> all the things that I, I find that just kind of like certain things strike you. And I think you're just like a bell at a certain frequency. And I'm a fortunate bell in that a lot of things can make me vibrate. You know, because you just dig it, you vibe with it. Yeah, I just do. You know, and it's it's a lot of the cats that I, I I wind up running around with a lot now that I'm I'm when I'm still playing out, and I don't do as much as I did, <clears throat> but I I still play. You know, I mean, a, a good year I still get in forty shows. You know, um, but that's wow. been a few years. I mean, that you know, I kind of was tapering off, but. You know, five years ago, I was doing like 30, 40 shows a year. And that, you know, is down from 150. But wow. I mean, I, we, my top year was like 180 shows. And that was with Five Year Jacket. Oh, um, really? I that think we year? did that. Yeah, it was like five year. And then, um, and then I started doing a lot of more solo stuff, which I really don't like to do. I really like playing with other people. I like, you know, when I'm not the only one to fuck up. Um, <laughs> yes, <Yeah, same>, man. <laughs> and I want to be I, too naked up there. Yeah, it's hard and it's not comfortable and I never get out of my head enough to really enjoy it. But uh, when I can I, share I totally a lot of that, that. So I, I really love it best when I'm playing with other people. But I, I'm lucky that a lot of different stuff. Oh, the the thing that people keep saying, you know, when I talk to people is there's a lot of cats I know and it's really weird to me that tell me that they like kind of like their home base. The thing that's like their home base they keep coming back to is like <clears throat> blues music. Which maybe it's just like a cool thing for 40 year old white guys to say, but like I grew up with the, the same guys these guys are, and ain't none of them listen to blues music when we were 15. You know, <laughs> that's not their roots. <laughs> I, I don't believe them, but maybe they, like I said, I think the species lies a ton, right? Yep. And I think it just got to a point where people are like, no, blues is my home base. And I'm like, I don't think it is, man. You know, because like for me, my home base is like, the, the crappy stuff that was on the radio when I was a kid, like John Cougar, Mellencamp, and Tears for Fears, which I still like an awful lot. And, uh, yep. you know, and also uh, my, my my mom remarried after my parents' divorce, and she married a redneck son of a bitch, and he listened to, like, bluegrass. <laughs> so, well, like, straight up bluegrass, huh? Straight up bluegrass. Oh, wow. And, I mean, like, banjos and all that stuff, which is why I kind of had that mandolin thing in the back of my head, you know? So... I don't know. I mean, like, so I just got lucky and then I, I've heard a lot of music. I um, I have a really good friend of mine, Andre, that calls me and most of the time he sends me like a Facebook message and he sends me songs three or four times a week. Um, he's a wonderful piano player. I've gotten a chance to record with him quite a bit and I really love the guy a lot. And um, he sends me songs like three or four times a week and sometimes I get backed up and like right now I have like four songs I need to listen to and then, but it takes a while because if I like something, I listen to the whole album. And, you know, anyway, it's it just, it, it's nuts because there's so much that can still, I'm a kid that way. Like I'm not, I don't feel young most of the time. I'm tired. I got bags under my eyes. I don't sleep for shit. I can complain about my back for the next week, but <laughs> you put on music and I, I, I don't, I, I don't care. It's the same way I feel about books. If it's, you know, part of this thing that's supposed to be like what you call a good book, you know, or if it's supposed to be a good music, I really love a lot of classical and a lot of jazz, but man, I like some of the hokey, stupidest crap that my 15 year old daughter brings home too. Yep. 
just open to it, which is probably the best, one of the best gifts too of being able to play it and understand it. Well, you probably, I'm sure you understand it a lot more than I do, but it's just mm. as far as understanding the music and being able to appreciate it for what it is, you know, it's like you, you, you appreciate a hook, you know, to bring it down to basics, you appreciate a but, hook but, and structure. But let's stop that for a second there. Cause that, that's one of those things that always kind of freaked me out. I can read music, but I don't think I understand music in a different way or a better way than you do. Okay. I really don't. Like, I, like you've never had a problem. The, the best way to describe it, and when I was teaching guitar, I would start with a lot of people that came in with this like kind of weird complex. They're like, well, you can do this. And I'm like, that's a, a skill. That's, you know, knife skills. That's that's a skill. You okay. know? Um, it doesn't change your palate. To go to a kitchen, like, kind of analogy, your, your instincts and your appreciation of things that you can hear the things you've learned in a kitchen haven't changed and haven't probably unlocked in any substantial way the mystery of of what food is you know you go back to bread and it's in its simplest it's 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 flour and it's salt and it's water you know and there's something living in there you want an active culture of some sort right yeah but there are so many breads there are so many different things you can do with that there's so many different things that a yeast can do when it's excreting sugar in the way that it actually can react to different grains to different flowers and i don't have any less sense of mystery because i know how to make a few scribbles on a page i can do some rudimentary analysis of changes as far as like i understand the cycle of fifths motion or some kind of dumbass thing that we could get into about the theory classes I took 20 years ago, <laughs> but I don't understand music and I doubt I understand it better than anybody else because I don't feel like I understand a lot of it well, and that, everything I'm just everything I've studied. It's always coolest when the rules you just learned got broken. Oh, that's and the best part. And so where is that? There's this part of you that just wants to hear somebody take the same 12 notes everybody else has yeah. and tell you their story with them. And yeah. I don't know that being able to write the language makes you a better storyteller. I don't know that knowing the names of several literary devices makes you a better storyteller. I think some people just tell a really good story. And it's magical at its best. Yeah. And I love the way music makes me feel. And I've never, ever felt like I had any control over it. Ever. Yeah, it's, yeah that's probably some of the best part, too, is that, I mean, that's why I always felt about uh, when I listened to you play and watch you play. It was just like, you seemed, I mean, you, the... I don't know it's what you give off or whatever, but you seem like very like punk rock, like middle fingers to everybody. And you're going to say what you're going to say, your chest out. You know, it's just like, it feels, it feels so raw with you, man. Is that something you try to do? Or is that just what comes out? I don't know. Um, okay. I can't say I've spent a lot of time deciding who I was going to be on a stage or as a writer. Um, 
is that I'm grateful when a song shows up. You know? Yep. People are like, you know, how do you write? And I'm like, I don't know. How do you come up with shit to say? I don't know. It just, I, I don't know who we are. I, I don't understand consciousness, you know, on like a basic level. Like, it's not like I go, well, today I'm going to think a profound thought. It doesn't happen. <laughs> today is the day. Yeah. Today, I, in, in, in three seconds, I will write something <laughs> cool. It doesn't happen that way. You know, you just, for me, I had a big plaque on my wall for a number of years. And um, I found it like a thrift store and it was ugly as shit. And it said, first infallible technique, then await inspiration. And I've lived by that. Yeah, that's huge. You, you just work on being the best antenna you can be for when a good idea shows up. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's and, huge. And my self-talk before I get on a stage is always... I didn't used to think about it, but as I've gotten older and a little more like focused and a little more like I'm going to think about it. I mean, my, my thought with your jacket was usually, hey, 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 can you get that bartender before he goes back down the line? I need to have a couple more drinks before I get up there, <laughs> which probably left me kind of raw and naked and emotional. And now when I get on a stage... I'm like, okay, you're going to go play these things that you wrote down. You're going to go do these things that you, you know, you're, you're going to try and tell people your story a little bit. And they're probably going to be trying to get drunk and trying to get this girl to like them. So you have to kind of get over that a little bit and be a little bit louder than that. And then, and all I really want to do before I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm going to walk off the stage and I won't be happy unless I've less, unless I've left a ton of blood on the stage. Yeah. Unless I unless I've put down as much of me as I can put down on this stage. That's great. That shows through in your playing. It's like it always seems like it. Uh, from what I've been able to witness and hear, it seems like you do you leave it all out there, which is like what a fighter does. It's every you know. It's what anyone who's really good at what they do, whether they know it or not. It's just like you just. And it's so wild how you can instantly connect with that kind of stuff when somebody's just pouring it out there. Oh man, you're a good antenna. You know, you don't even have to be that good of antenna. Sometimes you're just like, holy shit, it's right there. It's in my face. This feels real, and I get it. You know, at least for yeah, the moment. Well, <laughs> think about every show you've ever been to. You just go hoping they're gonna give you. You know. Yep. And if you go and you sense that they're like, I'm gonna give what I got. You know, this is how what I've got accessible. This is what I can get at. This is the emotional reserve I have. I'm just gonna lay it all out here. I think. If you trust that people came to be moved and you let yourself be moved, they'll all be moved. You know, you will be, they will be on the stage, on the floor, it doesn't matter. You know, if everybody's there with the same goal of like, let's connect, let's, 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 let's leave some blood here, you know, it, it, to connect with what I was saying like an hour and a half ago. Um, <laughs> We lie all the time and our currency and the way we trade and the money we have as two human beings is I is for me to say to you, it's like, okay, I've said fine to every time you've ever asked me in my entire life, how are you doing? And now we've had 15 drinks and it's the end of the night and I'm at this party and I'm finally going to look at you and go, really, I'm not, yeah. really, I'm not. And really, I'm, you know, I, I but, um, and for me to say, hey, we're going to come up here and this is going to be a safe construct of a spot. This is a room where we all paid 
to have this experience that I'm going to try and give it to you and you're going to try and receive it. And if you trust that, it happens a lot. Yep. I love being on a stage. Me too. And it, and you know what your currency is. If it's, it, you know, for me, I love being a side guy a lot. Between you and I, one of the things I love more than anything in the world is playing bass for somebody else and not having to sing a word. Yeah, is that because can you be in it more? Oh my God, because you you have a better read. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm listening to so much more. Most of the gig and I do when I'm not singing or playing, you know, with my own stuff, is I'm a bass guy. You know, there's uh, Andrea Dawn is the songwriter that I, I got to know ten years ago, and you know she's got kids now too, and you know it's harder for her to do life, but. When she gigs, I get to play with her, and she writes these just like beautiful, incredible songs. And I can totally bury myself into somebody else's feelings, and I can totally feel the way she's connecting with an audience, and I can totally make this connection with her. That then gets all kind of channeled into this like weird funnel that goes back out into a thing, and then comes back around the side of the stage. And it's just my favorite magical feelings is to just play an instrument and try to make the song sound good. Yeah. That's that's a totally. That's that's nice to be able to uh, step out a little bit and feel that side of it. I bet just to be on the other, you know, just just enough off center to where you can appreciate yeah. it a little more. Maybe I don't know if that makes any sense. I think it's because when I'm doing the 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 guy in front thing, I'm so worried about keeping everything together. So I really feel like in a lot of ways my it's a different this is all hippie shit, but like the way the, the way the energy flows is totally different. Yeah, like I'm the funnel point. Words, man. It's part of it. When I'm the singer, when I'm, you know, when it's the song I wrote, I'm the funnel point at the front. So I am absorbing the whole room from the front and from behind me. You know, I've got, I've got the group that I'm playing with and my relationship with them and everything they're doing. And I'm sort of trying to orchestrate. I'm sort of trying to feel where they're going. I'm letting them push me around they're listening to see if I'm going to push them around, you know, and whether it's with time, whether it's with tempo, whether it's with dynamic, you know, whether it's going to be, we're going to take the spot down like way quieter than we normally do. So we can really kick it harder later. You know, whatever it is, we're telling the stories and I'm listening to them and they're listening to me (laughs) as the bass player. I feel like I'm pushing towards that funnel and then I get it back from the side. Now, when I'm in the front and I'm singing, I feel like it all kind of like I'm this point in the middle. You know, I'm the audience's point of contact. So they're connecting with me and I don't get a break unless, you know, I feel like I don't get much of a break. You know, it's all on up there if you're up front. (laughs) If I'm doing it like in a way I'm proud of, then, yeah, I, I should be there. I should be listening to everything going on on the stage and feeling what the crowd's doing and trying to get what they're doing and trying to um trying to make sense of all the way the energy's flowing both ways and i feel like most likely like ron who i've been playing guitar with for like 15 20 years now i bet he's getting most of his energy from the side and i bet he loves it more than i do in a lot of ways some nights but i'm in the front trying to funnel it here and i don't know it's a it's a different spot and i don't love it as much but i crave it more if that makes sense yeah yeah it does like i want that job i think that like with any job like you you say you like to work for yourself oh yeah that's dumb and you know it 
it's like I'm going to work way too hard. <laughs> yeah. Like if you went and cooked for somebody else, you wouldn't take it home. Right. You'd be done at the end of the night. You'd punch oh, yeah. out, right? It's hugely but, different. Yeah. But you want that. Yeah. And I feel like as the band leader in a lot of ways, if I am doing that, even with a band that's is like collaborative, it's a job that I feel like is a dumb job to want. But I do want it. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. It is. Yeah, it's a, the same thing was with the, the restaurants, too. It was just like I could have any restaurant and I would work legit probably up to 15, 18 hours a day. Yep. And never it, give one shit. I'd never. But at 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, at 10 o'clock, you'd punch out, you'd get a drink, you'd go home. Yep. And you wouldn't take any of that restaurant home with you. Yep. And it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be this thing where the food, you can love it. You could put yourself totally into it. You could be a fantastic fucking line cook. Yeah. But it wouldn't hurt your marriage. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Amen, brother. Yep. I, you know, or yep. it wouldn't necessarily. If you have other problems, you can always let it hurt your marriage. But I mean, it wouldn't be the same way. You don't walk home with that job. Right. I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to own anything. I've done it and I hate it. I hate <laughs> it Saturday mornings when something goes wrong. I hate, you know. Every time I've started something or I freelanced or I've done anything that way, I get these calls and finally by nine o'clock I get this thing where I want to go sit and I want to work on Bach and instead I have to write invoices and I resent it. Yeah. I, I want to go work for somebody else. I want to give them my all. I want to leave as much as I can there. And then when I'm done, I want to go home. Yeah. I, I'm trying to do that now and it's very difficult, but <laughs> it is. Because I, you know, I would rather have the control and uh, yeah. know what's happening the next day than be at somebody else's whim, you know. And it's just, yeah, it might be a control freak thing. I'm not sure, but it's it's, it's not definitely it's, hard. I don't think it's a control freak thing. I think it's a matter of it's a level of investment thing. Go on. Everybody I've ever met that's an entrepreneur says, "Well, like, I don't think I could work for the people." And they always do when they have to. And they're always fantastic if they find compatible people. Like if you find somebody that's also really an entrepreneur and you work with them, they get it and they want to be pushed around. You know, yeah, when you've yeah. done this, you've had people that worked for you that kind of pushed you and kind of gave you a little crap. You were grateful yep. because you knew that that was that one guy or girl that was invested and cared how this came out at the end. Yeah, I've been and lucky you, to have a few of those people around me. Isn't that amazing? And so, and you can do that for anybody else. Yep. But in the end, what it comes down to is that I think that, <sighs> Jimmy, I got to tell you what I what I see again from my little stupid people, <laughs> is a guy who has an awful lot to say. You paint, you paint, you you, you podcast now. You you um, you you play your instrument. And you've never been stingy about any of that. You share that. You didn't just get down a roast for your family. You shared that. And I don't. I think that the impetus to stand in the firing line and to be shot at and to have negative Yelp reviews and to have somebody crap on you and to have somebody that gets fed up because it took you 20 minutes to do this thing that it's unreasonable that it takes you 10 minutes to do, but you normally do. Yeah. <laughs> You That's, do that because you have a story that you want to tell. 
I can see that. That that uh, makes a lot of sense, man. I never thought of it that way. I always just think I'm trying to keep my uh, stupid monkey brain moving somewhere. But I, I do love the... I, as I, that's why I keep asking people like you and stuff like that. The process of how they do things and why they do things and their motivations and... You know, I like I like showing people that I suck at something, you know. I mean, you listen to my first, oh, oh, most of my podcasts, they suck. And I would probably hate them till today. But it's just, and my painting, the same thing. I just wanted to show them from the beginning that at least you can improve and just, you know, stick to it and keep going. And God damn it, something might happen, man. It might not, but it has made me better, you know, but in some ways. But isn't that the magical thing? Like, when you wake up in the morning, are you excited about the thing you know is going to happen or the thing that possibly could happen? Oh, man. It was like today. I was like, I was always, I was fretting about this whole podcast, man. And I was just like, fretting in a good way because I was like, I have no idea, man. It's like, I've never really talked to Kevin before. And I, you know, I dig what he does. And am I going to be an idiot? You know, am I going to totally ruin half the podcast with my fuck ups on GarageBand? <laughs> I was just like, you know, it's like, it's all that. And I love, I hate it. At the same time, I love it because it's that edge, you know. It's like, it's not much either. We're just having a conversation, two guys that have done all, the yeah. same shit. But it's just like, I don't, I don't want to waste your time, and I don't want to look stupid. So I was, you know, researching and trying to figure out how to do this stuff. I'm just like, I want to be able to have an intelligent conversation with my limited words, <laughs> you know, but or at least an entertaining one, anyway. But maybe in the end, the thing that's important is that I, I guess when you look at like the the higher, like the, the bird's eye view, when you're looking down at the whole thing, are you trying to share something you're passionate about? You know, are you trying to, and you are, clearly, there's been so many things you've done that have been you putting your handprint and not necessarily gently on the world. You know, it's aggressive it's a it's a horrifyingly aggressive act to go find a storefront and rent a space and build it out and open that doors you've done that it's horrible i've been a part of that twice and it sucks yeah it does it's imperialistic and it's unnatural and it's a fight and there's so many nights you go home and you go what the fuck am i doing why why do i want this it's it's this thing that i guess Jim, I look at it as this is the way we get as close as we can to being alive. I like that. I like that a lot. That sounds very accurate. Is that if I wasn't fighting for these things, if I wasn't trying to tell you my story, which doesn't have any words and I don't know how to tell you, you know, my story is some images and some 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 tastes and some sounds and all these different pieces of senses and i don't think it makes sense it's i i'm not a a filmmaker i'm not this i'm not that i'm not a writer of a book you know i I, but i have this thing that i'm trying to tell that's huge right and i and i'm gonna just put myself into it and the only way i feel really alive is if i'm doing that it's not that you can't work for someone else it's that someone else isn't going to tell you your story yeah very true they can't working for somebody else is so much easier it's so much more comfortable yeah you'd think <laughs> well, I mean, it, it does it, give it does give you time to 
do what you want to have that off button you know like when i yeah that's exactly the way probably like just to have like all right i'm punched out now i could do me mm-hmm. you know that is pretty huge <clears throat> and i dig but it. i think it chafes you because you want to push on the world in a different way absolutely <laughs> and, and i think when we think about that we got to tap into the way we love the world you know and i you know we were talking about school earlier and we were talking about you know a book as opposed to a different way of learning or whatever it is but i think when we go to school we learn how to learn we learn how to take a test but what you have and what i think i have is an actual appetite to know things and experience things and to do things and that's something you can't teach a person yeah so it doesn't matter how much time they spent in a school so again i go back to my stupid ass storytelling but i was 19 years old and i was at school in minnesota i went up there for a year and then i dropped out because uh i actually had a conversation with one of the deans and i i didn't know him really well he it was a weird situation i got to know his son anyway he had been accused of some sort of like affair with a student or some sort of weird crap i don't know and i had been hanging out at his house because i knew his son and um so he's on his way out the door and it's like in disgrace like a horrible story right he he was my history prof at the time and he had to like drop out and like my grade had been in the shitter in history because i didn't love it and um it got like wiped out because a new prof walked in and had none of his books and he like was left the school and i just remember him talking to me one night and me like having this meltdown about whether or not i was fitting in at school and man i felt bad and for the first time ever i like missed my mom and like man i thought i hated her you know and i'm freaking out and he says dude i remember being right where you're at he goes there's there's two types of people in this whole academia thing and there's people that that are going to look at frogs and they're going to get a little pan and it's going to have wax on the bottom and they're going to take a nice scalpel and they're going to cut open the frog and they're going to pin back the skin and they're going to look inside and they're going to go that's what a frog is and then there's going to be the anthropologist that's going to go jump in a pond and sit there and look at frogs and he's going to go that's what a, a frog is now they're both frog right he goes but you seem to me like you want to go jump in a pond but you're trying to sit here and dissect one and it's got to hurt wow that's it's a uh, yeah that's that's really good man <laughs> it it did hurt yeah i bet <clears throat> i didn't want to pull apart music i wanted to go play it yeah. and i did I did, you know. I never succeeded in any giant grand way, you know, but I did. I went and played for a long time. I had a lot of fun. Hell yeah, man. I mean, you did it, you know, and you're still, you know, once hopefully this stuff passes, you know. I mean, I can't I gotta, imagine what's going to be, but man, I can't wait to get back I, to it. <laughs> I Like I said, I just started a combo like a year ago, and we got to play once, and it just never we got to play once that's it you know hopefully we'll get to do it again <laughs> i know we will they're they're great human beings you know yeah was I this love. uh what was this band was there a name for this one or it's called lying mouth to mouth okay 
Um, I, I, that I don't think I found online anywhere. I, you probably won't. We okay. like I said, we got one gig out. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. <laughs> so, what happened, man? I'm not a very good bullshitter. Um, I played with the bass player from Small Shiny Things. He was in Five Year Jacket at one point, and I've known him for a very, very long time. And I, Jay is one of my favorite people on the planet. And I, I don't really know where our relationship really fell apart, but he's had, over the course of time, a number of things that he's had to deal with. And one of the ways he's dealt with that is kind of being not a part of us. And so when he left, we were doing small shiny things. And I sat with Matt, who is one of my favorite people in the world, one of my best friends. Small shiny things was my fucking wedding party. I mean, really, everybody yeah. in that band was the people that stood up at my wedding. That's cool. And um, and I, I these are my favorite. These are my friends. These are yeah, yeah. I love playing with them, but Jay needed to step away, and I don't understand all of his reasons, but I don't need to because I just love Jay. Gotcha. And if he says to me, "Hey, this isn't working," I have to say it doesn't work, and I I believe him, you know. So he stepped away, but it didn't feel like it was small shiny things anymore. So we found another guy that we really really like a lot that. Doug's a good player and a good person and super compatible and kind of it's the same way of thinking about the about playing and about performing that we do. So we found Doug and we thought that we didn't want to keep using the name. So we we <clears throat> small shiny things broke up and four of us are together and we added Doug Weiler, um who and we are we have a different name now. That's that's how that works. Okay. That's, that's and I will always miss what Jay brings, but I'm always going to appreciate what Doug brings. So, I mean, that's how that's going to go, you know? Yeah, and you've Every, probably been through that a handful of times now, as I have. Yeah, you have. I mean, things, you, you get to love the way somebody plays, and then somebody else comes and you go, oh, I love that too, you know? Yeah, and, and you never think you would, you know? It's like, it should no. only be one. And maybe it should, but it's like... It's cool to see another side, you know. With me, with playing with different singers, always brought out a different uh, type oh, yeah. of playing for me. You know, that was my whole. Uh, that's that's exactly what would change me is just new, new blood. You know, it always helped. It's just like wow, it's got me thinking something different. Maybe I could play this. You know. So how long have you been in Iowa? Oh shit! I think about four years now. I could definitely okay. be wrong, but it's around there. So are you? gigging in Iowa or have you been before pre-pandemic? Uh, no, nothing here. I don't even, I know zero people here. <laughs> My wife has some family that... here and I know them a little bit, but, and there's like one kid I get along with, but it's, there is no, there is nothing, nobody, nobody here yet. I'm hoping I find somebody. <laughs> so you got no real musical outlet right now? No, zero, zero. That's probably why the painting kicked up and this podcast stuff just. Oh, you got to do something. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, you know, bonkers, man. No matter how much, you know, you know, you got a family, you love them and everything like that. And that's all great. And it has its ups and downs. And But it's like, there's this piece of me that's missing, you know, and it just, it sucks. It's like, I really want to play, but I don't know what to do. I don't, you know, I don't know anybody. It's just like, I'm like that, you know, first day at school again here. So. Well, have you, have you approached it from the attitude of, I have nothing to lose? 
that's most my life. <laughs> yeah. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason I do you, things. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. Because <laughs> that's how I can keep up. When Five Year Jacket split, I had, um, I had, I didn't have an amp. I didn't own an amplifier. How long was Jacket for, going? Just over 12 years. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sorry to revisit that. Okay. No, it's cool. And when we split, I, uh, I, like I said, I walked away and I walked away pretty dramatically. So I left everything there. I had, I had one guitar. Um, I owned one guitar. I, I owned, a, <laughs> I had a bass that I had owned and I had an electric guitar that I didn't have an amp for. Wow. And my mandolin, I, because I just walked and I grabbed basically what I could get. And then I, I don't know, it was, it was, it, it was freeing. Because at that point, I, well, at first I didn't play for, I practiced and played for myself, but didn't share anything for over a year and a half. Wow. And then I did, got the, I got it in my head that I was going to actually go ahead and I was going to get a band together and I was going to lead it and I just call it me. I just call it Kevin, you know, and, um, and that scared me. So I didn't know how to do that. So I went and I grabbed my bass and I worked for a couple of people, including John Conover out in Sandwich. Oh, I love that um, guy. John's awesome. And so I worked for him for about a year and a half. And I met um, Justin, who was the drummer that I wound up going on for with Meat Hawk. And, um, and then I played with a couple other people and I met a bass player I really liked. And so that was Chad. And I got to know those guys and I thought that would be an awesome combo. So I finally, after learning how to take direction for like a year and I really did I, I honestly for like a year year and a half I just didn't think about leading a band I just thought about you know what would be like to just work for somebody else then I'd have an idea what kind of boss I'd be and how that would feel and all that gotcha that's very uh that's a cool way to approach it so I did that and then I started uh Meat Hawk uh which was a fantastic name. Um, <laughs> it was Kevin Trudeau and Meat Hawk, right? Yeah, it was actually ridiculously enough the Kevin Trudeau and Meat Hawk. Okay. <laughs> um, I couldn't buy my own name as a domain name. If you go to GoDaddy and you put in like Kevin Trudeau, it says you can buy this domain for like fifteen hundred bucks, and I'm like, I am not spending a thousand dollars for my own name on an internet site. <laughs> but it suggests along the sidebar, how about the Kevin Trudeau? And I'm like, that's fucking funny. So I bought it. And that was only 10 bucks. <laughs> next thing you know, we had Meat Hawk, which was an in-joke. We played in a combo me and Chad did and uh, with some horn players, actually. I was, I was singing, um, and the guitar player in the combo was Phil, who I've known since I was in kindergarten, Phil Kramer. And I love Phil's oh, awesome. an awesome dude. But Phil's a prison guard. And um, apparently there's some joke with a filthy punchline that involves meat hawks. And <laughs> Phil didn't even know the full joke. He like he had a coworker that would call people he hated meat hawk. And we thought that was funny. And so me and Chad <laughs> kept trying to talk these guys into calling the combo meat hawk. And they're like, come on, that's kind of gross. And we're like, ah, fine. So they called it something else. I don't remember what. And I kind of walked away because I wanted to get into my own thing at that point. And I'm like, Chad, let's do Meat Hawk. He's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so we wound up making Meat Hawk. And uh, it was hilarious. And oh. I love Justin. Justin's a sandwich guy, too. 
Yeah. Um, Justin O'Connell uh, lived over uh, not far from where Wakos lived, actually, not too far from the high school. But he was younger than like you and I, so I didn't really, I never knew him. You know, oh, like okay. when I was hanging out out there, he was, you know, he's almost ten years younger than me, I think. Um, but damn, is he a good player? You know. Excellent. So we got to do that. So Meat Hawk ran for a little while, and then you know, small shiny things never really stopped. That was kind of a, like I said, that's my wedding party. We would get together at somebody's house and play songs even if we weren't gigging you know did i read something about that too is that the band that's never gonna stop you think it's like you're always gonna be you guys it's always, always open. get together every now and then or whatever i hope so like i said now we've got some friction in between like i said um jay who, who the bass player he's got some stuff and right now playing with us is not something that works for him and i and i dig that i understand that that that's just where he's at and there's no anger but man definitely if like that changes if like that's a place he gets to where like he can do that again yeah i would love to have small shiny things again that'd be fun for me those guys are still my favorite people yeah just yeah they're they're just awesome people and when you're playing with people you really care about you really know really well if you think about being 19 and like that feeling you have for like those people in your life but you don't know what to do because like you're a dude from like a town and like you don't call dudes like friends and you don't like say you love them that's all out the fucking window for me i'm 46 years old i love these people my relationship with them is as meaningful as my relationships have been in any other you know i mean that they mean a lot i've shared with them I, I love Jay. I love Matt. I love Ron. I, I, these are my friends. Chris, the guys I play with, and those are the guys I call when I'm devastated. These are the guys that, like Matt, I can call, and like he knows I'm gutted. Like things just suck in life, and I'm gutted, and I'm calling him up, and I'm talking all the way around it, like sideways. You know, I'm like, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. I was watching this TV show, and I don't really, you know. And he knows while I'm talking about this stuff that I'm just like just gutted by <laughs> life, and. And he knows the right stuff to say to me, you know. That's huge. That's these huge are to have. these are people I, I, Jimmy. If there's anything I could say that's of any importance to anybody at all, is that every year that goes by, I get better at love. That's good. The things I'm obsessed with music, and it's all this thing I want to do all the time, and I never stop being 15. But I get better every year at loving the people around me. And, and even harder, letting them love me. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's that yeah. letting, you know, it's like, no, I am i don't deserve that for some reason, you know? It's right? Just, <laughs> I haven't earned why do it. We, why do we fight that so hard? I don't know. Like, why, That's a really good why, question. Why are, like, we always doing this thing? Like, I do it in my marriage, you know, where, like, you know, it's like, I kind of get mad and I insist that this is the thing I should do. And really, all I need to do is very quietly say, hey, I deserve to be treated this way and you missed it. I still love you, but you missed doing that. Yeah. And I don't want you to do that again. Can you pay attention to that? I mean, that's the whole conversation nine tenths of the time, right? Yeah. Like, I love you and I think that the way you just loved me missed and it felt bad. And I, and can we, either work out a new way to do that or like can you just not do that i like like if you don't have the energy to work out a new way to do it can you just stop because that sucked for me 
but we don't have that conversation. We have these things that last three weeks, you know? Yeah, I know. And for no good reason, you know, it's on your mind. It hurts. It, you feel it like pulling away yeah. at your life. You know, like I've lost a year of my life, I think just by sweating this and I couldn't say it, you know, I know Yeah, that's you. And it's, I don't understand. And it's this like, this weird bacteria that just eats everything in you that's sweet. Yep. Yeah, I don't and, know why. <laughs> and you let it go because for some reason you think it's going to somehow be worse. Just look them in the eye and go, dude, please don't do that. I don't like that. Simple. It, it, but it ain't. If it was simple, we'd do it, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I, if you're asking me why it is I can't look at people I love and say, hey, the thing you did doesn't feel good. Can you not do it? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know why I can't do it. Yeah. I don't know why I we just, get in our own ways like that. I just know I can't, you know? Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it's a, it's such, I don't know. It's how we play ourselves, I guess. It's just yeah. like, <laughs> it's like, why can't I just let this be? And why can't I say what I mean and just let it rip, you know, because it's the worst thing that can happen is I got to sit with this for however long of time before I figure out a way to either blow up, screw it up or blab it out. You know, it's just like I could just totally coherently tell you right now, <laughs> I'm going to blow it up in my head and not be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Ah. <laughs> and, and if you think about the worst outcomes, like if you look at somebody and you say, hey, you know what, the thing you did, it hurts. Can we find a different way to do that? And they go, I don't want anything to do with you. You're on that road anyway. Yep. Like you think that's the worst thing that could happen, but you're already on that road if that's what's going to happen at that moment. Absolutely. Like if that's what happens at that juncture, you could avoid it, but only for a minute. At some point, you're going to have to say something and they're going to go, we're not on that road together. And you go, all right. And it ain't going to hurt less than a year. Nope. That shit will just take a toll on you anyway, you know, because it needs to be said and done, but you're just not pulling that trigger, you know? <laughs> and and why are we so afraid to say we're hurting? Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know if it's a machismo thing. I don't really think so because I never consider myself macho or nothing like that. I just think it's, uh, <laughs> man, I don't know, it's some kind of self-preservation for no good reason. <laughs> What do you think it saves, though? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> like, what? Are, how does that... Like we need to stew or something like that? We need to be depressed and tore up on the inside? Do we have to do that? Because we... I don't know. We're all artists, and we all want to suffer somehow. Right? <laughs> right? Are we enjoying it on some level? Maybe. That's a really good point. We might. Might do it on purpose. Dude, it? I, when I first lost weight... Uh, Back in the day after my uh, first marriage, I, uh, after that, my relationships after that, I was like, because I thought since I got divorced, this was in my pea brain, that I was like, yeah, well, if I have a relationship and I mess it up or it goes sideways, I'll get in better shape and I'll be more healthy, you know? And I, that was an honest thought I had. I don't know why, but it just kind of things worked out that way The after that divorce and I, my life got incrementally better i was like well i guess i can't be you know too happy in a relationship for too long I'm like what the fuck is that it makes no sense but i i lived that way for a while 
you know. How long did you live that way? Oh, Jesus, dude. Probably uh, maybe 10 years. Oh, shit, dude. That hurts. Yeah. Yeah. It was was all against me, you know. (laughs) Dude, that becomes a habit, man. That ain't just like even a thing you're doing anymore. That's like part of how you are. Yeah, that was my programming for sure. I really thought that. I was like, well, I can't enjoy this too much longer or I'm going to be not me. You know, I'm not going to be able to... uh, live the way I want to live. So, you know, it's just stupid human shit. It's like, I didn't, you know, in hindsight, it looks stupid, but at the time I thought it was, you know, working for me, whatever that means. <laughs> well, everything, I guess on some level does work for you at the time. Right. Yeah. But it, what's the cost, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I keep looking at is because clearly like the entirety of my twenties and a good chunk of my thirties, was this like cut off thing that I did. Like I wasn't really gonna be too close to anybody and I wasn't gonna be, you know, too near anybody and I wasn't gonna be too available to even like the people I loved, you know? And the cost was tremendous, but it had to be working for me at some level or I would have stopped, right? I mean, like there had to be something in there that kept me feeling safe. Yep. Or feeling like I had control over something, you know? That's gotta be a big piece of it. I, I don't know exactly what I got out of it, but I mean, clearly I got something out of it or I wouldn't have done it. You have to believe that there's some rational part of you that just would stop a thing that's totally stupid. Yeah, you think? <laughs> maybe that was, maybe I just made an argument against what I'm saying. <laughs> we are not a rational species. What am I talking about? What have we done to ourselves, Kevin? Bad, dumb yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> but I've shit. done all the ridiculous things you could think of. Like I've spent, I think I've spent more energy in my marriage keeping my wife away than pulling her close. Wow. And I've ever wanted. <sighs> Again, I got married at 35, 36, 35, I think. Yeah, 35. I don't know. I got and, um, married about 12 years ago, whatever that math's out to. That was about the yeah, same, I'm guessing. Yeah. That was my first... I, my first marriage was 35. I, I, I never had a relationship that went more than a couple of years okay. before that. Gotcha. I never really did relationships. Like, I'd have a girlfriend, and they'd be around for a little bit. And um, I knew... Um, Jen, who I'm married to now, uh, years ago. And like, I was totally unprepared to like fall for a girl. I've known her for 20 years. Like I said, I went to her first wedding. Um, and I was not prepared to be head over heels. So like I wound up dating another girl and I moved in with her and I was pretty sure that I, I was pretty sure that no matter what happened with that particular person, I was never going to get too, too hurt. Like, it was never going to wreck my life. And it didn't. I mean, like, God, by the end of that, we lived together for like three years. And uh, she started cheating on me. And really candidly, I I was relieved. Uh, Um, (laughs) It gave me a good reason to get out of that. Yep. You know, and I kind of didn't have any problems with her as a human. And I still don't. I'm like not mad at her. You know, I remember Matt telling me, like, dude, are you pissed? I'm like... Man, I kind of ignored her for like three years. Like eventually, if you ignore someone for like three years, they find somebody that's not ignoring them. 
Right, right. Yeah, like, I, like, could she have done it better? Could she have just dumped me? Yeah, but, like, I wasn't exactly being all that great with her. So it's not like I can sit around and play, like, this card, like, well, you know, you could have done this. I don't get to do moral high ground. I was ignoring a girl I lived with for three years while I was thinking about another woman that I was in love with and who's met, who I went to the wedding with, with that girl. <laughs> so, I mean, this is, it's a stupid mess of a thing. So, yeah, she cheated on me, and I hope to God that guy was better than I was, you know, yeah. period. Yeah, and you honestly think that, you know, that's the thing some people don't get. It's like, no, it's like, I know I, we, what we might have had might have been messed up, and maybe I blamed you at the time or myself, but it's like, I hope the best for you. I really do, no matter how it ended up for us. Because, you know, I've had my, sure, my definitely a big handful of relationships. And I was always like, yeah. man, I'm sorry, but and I always sucked at breaking up and shit. But I was just like, in the end, I always hope for them. To like, I just hope they get, you know, exactly what they want because they deserve it, you know. And I'm sorry I couldn't be that and I wasn't that. Yeah. You know? I, yeah, I get I, I wish I would have been that straightforward. I think I, I took her cheating on me and being like, well, now I clearly have to break up with you. <laughs> like, like she did something bad, yeah. which, yeah, maybe she did something dishonest, but I sure as hell didn't do something very honest, right? But I think it was like a way for me to walk out of this relationship by, by, and feel good about myself. Like, yeah, I left, she cheated on me. Yep, I got that. But I, I tried, but I tried to avoid the whole like, oh, that stupid bitch or that whore, because I mean, that's that's not real stuff. I really did legitimately ignore her for like three years. So anyway, that 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 fell apart. And at that time, Jen's marriage wasn't good. And so after, you know, a polite amount of time, we were able to start talking again. And I I have all this baggage, you know, all this stuff that you drag along with you, you know, in the ways that you do relationships where you kind of do that weird push-pull kind of strange orbit thing where you're kind of around things and you think that, I don't know. No, I hear you. I, I would say that I spent much more energy, especially during the first years of our marriage, trying to maintain me. You know, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be fine. It's all that good. And it, it pushed her away in a lot of ways, you know? Really? And drawing somebody closer is harder. And the stake involved in that is higher. Because <laughs> clearly you don't want to ask somebody to come over and them to say no, right? Right. Clearly you don't want to say, hey, be important to me and them say no thank you. So I've done more pushing than pulling. You know, I've done more keeping people in distance than inviting them in. Yeah, well, so, when you're good, when you're, when you do pull somebody in, you generally seem like myself he's just like you want to keep them forever too you know no matter who they are what type of relationship it is you know it's yeah. like you make it this far motherfucker <laughs> you're part of this you know <laughs> yeah now i'm honest with you now i don't say fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah you get to hear all of it <laughs> we've passed that right this is trust now yeah yeah which is we, huge. we tell the truth yeah that's a huge thing man it is big it it's giant it is it always will be it's just it's it's so funny how the paths we all take to get to the same place usually oh, can man. be so vastly different and some people never get it i don't know if i got it all i'm sure i don't but it's just like i love 
and that's far as like I think I said something earlier about getting old but it's like the best part is you know is figuring it out a little bit more just a touch yeah. more you're just like wow this is so much more you know life is so much more deep than I thought it would be you know like oh yeah for sure yeah I love those little nuggets we get like just just having this conversation with you man it's just been so eye-opening and refreshing I was just like man I just like to hear how somebody I've known but never really known thinks and what you know just the human experience man it's enough it really is to hear it put it out there and be able to like bash my shit against it and see like wow I could see how you went there and what you're doing now and I just really appreciate your time man thank you yeah you too I I love the way you just said that too like it just bash your shit against something I mean that's you know it's it's this thing where you know if we could do it in like good ways because there's so often we we use other people as this yardstick of what we could or should be you know whether it's i'm better than that or i i can't add up to that or whatever our self-talk might be but i think when we're like doing this human thing where like you tell me you know this is who i am and this is what i screwed up and i can just let that resonate you know, just bash that shit against mine and just be like, that's human. And I get that. And I hear that. And that means a lot. And thank God I'm not so fucking alone in the stupid ways I deal with the world. <laughs> yeah, it's you. It helps, man. <laughs> we need to know that now more than ever. I swear to God. Oh, man. Yeah. There's not a lot of handshakes. There's not a lot of hugs, you know? Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's something, unfortunately, my wife taught me was to hug a lot and of course you can't do that much anymore you got you know the old verbal hugs and that's all we get so yeah i i didn't even think about hugging because i kind of avoided it for a long time me too and (laughs) over the last like i'd say five to ten years i've kind of opened up to it and learned to really appreciate like all the chemicals that are like released when you like embrace a human being whether it's male female or you know just intimate you know just like human and there's like all these like good chemicals that associate and I didn't think about it. And I would say I had this like real drop off like around June last year Yeah. where I went from like, I mean, I was working for facing. I was, I was running a coffee shop, you know, I was doing a bunch of stuff and I, I saw a hundred people a day and I gave, you know, a third of them hugs oh, and wow. So I went from 30 hugs a day, maybe, to like yeah, a couple with my wife, you know, yeah, but yeah. not really the same. And like June, there was like this real like, like serotonin type drop off. Oh, and yeah. it took me a little bit of like figuring out and realizing I haven't really hugged people much. Which is weird. Yeah. It sucks. I, I, <laughs> I would never have thought of myself as a guy like a huggy guy, but I like, I'm totally a fucking huggy guy. I love it. Same. Like, give me a hug. They're awesome. Yeah. Big bear hug. Men, women, I don't care. I love it. I love hugging my friends. Yeah. It's, it's the best, man. You need that. You need that. We all do. It's, 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 like, it's a real thing. It's so hard now. Like Ron came over, Matt, who's uh, the drummer I play with. He, he's, he's like this like total dude. Right. But like, he also went to school to be a hairdresser so like he still cuts my hair cool and uh yeah totally like he's like a 
big pile of anachronisms and one of the most interesting, wonderful human <laughs> beings you could ever meet. Oh, my love, Matt. <clears throat> she comes over, he cut me in Sam's hair, you know, we're all masked up, we're sitting in my, my living room or my dining room, whatever it is, and, you know, it's weird, and then it gets done, and, like, that was the hard part. It's like, I give Matt a hug now. Like, we give a good hard squeeze right now, and I don't get to do that. This sucks. Yeah. That's, you know, it's hard, man. That's a real thing that we all need. Introvert or not, or think you're a loner or not, man, it's got to be hitting everybody by now. I haven't I, seen my parents, you know, in like <clears throat> fucking eight months, something like that, just because of their shit. No. So it's where are your parents at? Are they still in Illinois? Yeah, they're still in Sandwich. Gotcha. Yeah. My folks are in Wisconsin. So I, and I have seen them, but cool. they've, it's been like in my garage. Yeah, that's miserable. I mean, at least it's so, something. That's something. We've got like this little back patio, and my my father-in-law's come over two times, maybe three times, and my mother-in-law came over. Um, I don't know, maybe three or four times, and we, we'll sit outside, you know, in the summer. But now it's winter months, and so we don't really do anything, you know. Yeah, you don't know what's gonna happen, man. We don't know. <laughs> I'm trying real hard not to feel like shit, yeah. and uh. Like, I don't think it'll kill me, but I don't want to play with that either. I understand, man. Yeah, especially with having some, you know, pre-existing conditions. That's, that's, it's, it's gotta be, it's like you're, it's, it's stupid to think that you could be flirting with death by going out to get some groceries and, you know, it's something could, you know, it really could happen, man. It could. You Jimmy, could, the idea of losing my sense of smell for three months, that scares me as much as dying. Yeah, it's it's nasty. It's horrible. <laughs> when you talk about not tasting things, I don't know if you have any idea how much my morning cup of coffee means to me. I I used to appreciate that a lot, <laughs> but I can't because I can't smell it. I take it for the have, jolt, but man, I cannot smell coffee still at all. I have never been a wealthy man. I have an obnoxious amount of money wrapped up in the way I make coffee in the morning. <laughs> you a French press guy? What do you do? Oh God, no! that bush? <laughs> I have, I have a very expensive grinder that <laughs> is very precise and does everything it's supposed to do as far as everything having the same particle size. <laughs> and then my my actual ten cup coffee maker that we use every day is this like handmade in the Netherlands deal that you can you know. I, like it's ridiculous. I I like coffee in ways that no one should like coffee. Like I like whiskey, <laughs> but me and coffee. I I also hand press my espresso. I do have a French press, but I also have aero presses and I have pour overs <laughs> and I have everything you could possibly think of to make coffee. I also have a chart, like a journal that sits beside my coffee grinder, that talks about the appropriate grinds for each of the varietals that I get. So I have like. And I weigh this shit. I want the, the the ratios right. You know, I am ridiculous about my coffee. <laughs> You're not roasting I, beans yet, are you? I had. That's how I got into coffee was roasting beans. <laughs> so I started roasting roasting like the way most people do is where um, <clears throat> you get a popcorn popper because it'll get to the, the proper heat. You need to oh, have okay. like you know, you need over 400 degrees. A popcorn popper will do it. And in fact, they, they go really hot. They're like five to 600 degrees a lot of the time. And they actually cook the beans sometimes if you're not careful, but you get really good at doing it. And um, 
So I was making my own coffee quite a bit and roasting. And I had a friend of mine, I had just finished up school and I had gotten my resume back out again with my useless English degree, right? And <laughs> a guy I knew was running a cafe um, for a bigger company. And he said, are you interested? I need somebody. I know you. I know you work hard and I know you know coffee. I said, I've never barista I've never done any of that crap. I don't get milk. I don't get any of that. He's like, that I can teach you. I need the work ethic. Can you come out? So I did. Wow. Um, that opportunity got me on commercial roasters. It got me working a small test roaster, a Probatino, which was, you know, like a three key, I think it's a five kilogram roaster. I got to do a bunch of big roasts for a bunch of cool companies. Um, that was fun. And I kind of fell in love with, like, I loved drinking coffee, but coffee culture is fantastic. Like yeah. the people in coffee culture are great. So this grinder I got when I first got it in was a problem. It, like there was something wrong with it. This was your and personal called, one? Well, no, it was my grinder. I got it. I just bought the thing not too long ago because like I I wanted to upgrade. Okay. So I bought it. It's a small company out of Seattle. Um, and I'm like, so I call up and I called on a Saturday because I was crabby. Because <laughs> I couldn't get this. The thing got delivered and the thing was... So the burr and the burr grinder were spinning the wrong direction. Oh, okay. That's odd. Right. It seems fucked up. Yeah. I can't get the thing to pull through. The yeah, Troubleshooting the thing, you know. The first thing you do is you check the chute to see if it's clogged because I couldn't get anything to come through. So finally I look and it's not grinding because the actual burr grinder is spinning the wrong way. So it won't engage because the way the gears and the fins go, it pulls in. But it has to be going a certain way. So I call up, I leave them a message. Monday morning, they call me back at like nine o'clock in the morning. And this is what I love about coffee culture. So I have to, I have to tell her a story. <laughs> because I can't just do shit in a straight line. I got to tell everybody a story. So I'm like, all right. And I, I wish I could remember her name. I think it was like Bethany. Anyway, she calls me up and she's really cool. She's like, hey, you called over the weekend and you're having a problem. I'm really sorry to hear that. What can I do? And I'm like, I'm going to tell you a story. And she's like, okay. And I'm like... <laughs> When I was 25, I was renting a place. And I remember I was out at my girl's house. I was at my girlfriend's house. And I come home at like 6 o'clock in the morning to get showered before I go to work. And I come in the house, and the house is freezing fucking cold. It's it's middle of January. I go upstairs, and my roommate is like got all the blankets he owns, like pulled up to his chin, and he's freezing. And the house has got to be like maybe maybe 20 degrees. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, he's like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. The, the, I couldn't get the furnace to turn on. I go downstairs, everything's firing in the furnace, right? I, I, there's, there's the, the igniter's going, everything is working the way it is. And I'm like, so I call up my landlord because I'm renting. And I'm like, I think the blower motor's out. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I got fire. I got everything. It feels like heat. I can't get to go to the house. He's like, yeah, it's probably blowing motor. He's like, I have, he's like, in my barn, I got like five or six five amp motors. He goes, I'm going to be at work till six o'clock. If you need it right now, can you run and just go throw a motor in there? I'm like, yeah, I could put a motor in a, in a furnace, you know? <laughs> Here we go. <clears throat> so I do. Hey, my roommate's upstairs, and I'm like, I'm like, all right, keep the thermostat like at like like 30, right? He's like, okay, all right. <laughs> We're shivering, I'm in gloves. I pull the old motor, screw it back in, mount it, wire it, get the belt back on. And I'm like, all right, Jay, I got the panels open and I'm standing there. Everything's wide open. I'm like, Jay, crank the thermostat. Just 
turns like 80 and I'm standing there and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and the next thing you know I can't breathe then I hear the thing click and it starts to turn on and it's blowing at me everything the, the entire thing rather than blowing into the ductwork is blowing right at me I've got it's sucking all the shit and dust out of the ductwork and it's blowing right up me oh god so and, and I'm telling this lady the story on the phone and I go here's the important thing you guys sent me a grinder and I'm pretty sure you guys got the motor wired backwards because that's what I did. Yeah. Is I, I switched the positive and the negative and guess what happens? Yeah. It blows the, it go, turns the other direction. So I'm willing to bet in that housing somewhere, you've got two lines swapped. And she's like, oh God, that's easy. Do you mind fixing it? And I said, I don't, but can you send me a schematic? She's like, no problem. This is coffee culture. <laughs> she's like she's like she's like yeah she's like first of all i said listen am i gonna avoid my warranty she's like no she's like we totally expect you to work on your own stuff let me send you all this stuff all you gotta do is switch the positive she's like there's a red and a white line switch those two around you're gonna be fine she's i'm like okay i'm like i just don't want to crack the case in this thing until i know i'm not avoiding my warranty she's like you absolutely will not here's my assurances i will send you all this stuff We've still got the two-year warranty, blah, 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 blah. We expect things to be done, and we've, we've made our whole country, company around you guys being able to work on your own stuff. Wow. I said, I am so grateful for you. Sends it to me. 20 minutes later, turns out the little clip, like off of the, the board, you know, yeah. like this little circuit board, there's a clip. And the clip didn't clip, and somebody put it backwards on the thing. Oh. So as soon as I open it up, and I turn around, and I put it back in, so it actually goes click. The damn thing is spinning the right way. Yeah, amen. <laughs> that's, that's what nice I love about coffee culture. Get into it. Yeah, that's cool. Because, right? Yeah, usually it's just send it back, and we'll see you in about eight months, maybe. <laughs> you know, she if you get she that. was great. She says she goes. Listen, if for some reason this doesn't fix it, or if you get uncomfortable in the middle of it, or whatever, just send it back. She goes. The other thing is, I'm authorized. Like our return policy is such that, like, I will ship today. I don't need to have yours back in before I ship again. I'm like, you guys are awesome. Yeah, hell yeah. Keep so Baratza, if you're ever looking for a grinder, Baratza is a fantastic company. Baratza. Nice. Baratza. And they're, they're from, great. where are they from? Seattle? They're out of Seattle. Oh, yeah. cool. That makes sense. <laughs> they are. In fact, her husband, she was telling me, works for Slayer. Don't look up Slayer espresso machines. They're like $20,000 espresso machines. Oh, my God. But man, I like espresso. <laughs> I do They're too. All when I get it, it's fantastic. <laughs> it can be. Yeah. Uh, five, four years ago, I was talking to my friend Jasper last night. Um, and he's out in Colorado and he's a guy that taught me a ton about coffee. And we both reminisced about the times we went to Italy on coffee tours. <laughs> and oh, how nice. heartbreaking that is. No, it was heartbreaking. Really? Coffee in Italy kind of sucks. No. Kind of. <laughs> you can find good coffee, but there's like coffee shops on every street and nine-tenths of them are kind of awful. No, really? Just because they know you're going to get it? It's a tourism type deal? Like, Well, I think the way it works is that they get a machine that they rent. And when they rent the machine there's an agreement to buy coffee from the supplier. Right, yeah, that's how it is here too. So Italy is the big supplier in Italy. 
So everybody's got the same Rancilio Silvia espresso machine, which is a fine machine. You can get good shots out of it, but it takes a little bit of love. And these guys don't care because they got these burnt ass beans from Italy that show up. So if you want the equipment and if you want the equipment, you're always going to buy from these guys. So you get the same shot at every street you go to. And it's kind of sad, like the birthplace of espresso. And here you are drinking the same shot on every street. And it's kind of subpar. Is there like regular the one off the street though, like a hundred times better than what we're averagely going to get here? Yeah, okay. it really is. <laughs> That's all right. Though. It's still better. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Italy's still pretty good coffee. That. Yeah. That's cool though. Yeah, you you would know those no nuances by doing it. That's for sure. Well, I'm a real serious like third wave dude. Like the first wave of coffee we always think about is like Folgers. Okay, that makes sense. I don't know. Do you drink a lot of coffee? Or do you love coffee? I can when I could taste it. Yes, I've had Got really it. good coffee, so I can't so, appreciate it. <laughs> When they talk about first wave coffee, they're talking about the stuff that like our parents drank and like my, our grandparents drank. The problem with that is that coffee, when it's first roasted, it's pretty active. There's a ton of gases that come off of it and it off gases for a couple of weeks. In order for them to have put that in cans, they have to kind of let it die all the way. Okay. So, so mess up with second, storing it or something? Well, it's going to keep off gassing those metal cans that like Folgers and Hills brothers, you know, did forever. Yeah. Those would have exploded oh. <laughs> if you'd have put like really breathing actual still fresh roasted coffee in. So they had to stale the coffee over the, over the course of several weeks. Now wow. that's still good coffee because coffee's still good that way. But the second wave would have been started at a place like Pete's in San Francisco, you know, in the late sixties. And he started to roast his own and it moved towards a darker roast, really. So we think about the whole Starbucks thing as kind of the tail end of the second wave of, you know, second generation craft coffee. It was very Italian um, derivative. I mean, the entire model for Starbucks was to have a coffee shop on every street, which they got really close to at one point. And it was very imitative of what Italian coffee culture is like. Lots of coffee, very dark roasts. The third wave started really play with roasting and bringing the roasts back to see what could come out of it. It's where I tend to fall because you get a lot more fruit, a lot more citrus, a lot more. With a dark roast, you're going to tend to get a lot of chocolate, a lot of baker's chocolate, a lot of really good things, but it's not by necessity complex. And with Starbucks, they need to, and I don't slam Starbucks because what they've done for coffee has been amazing. But in order for them to do what they do, they have to distribute coffee to 9,000 or however many they have from like their four central like shipping places they have in the country and roasteries. So they have to kind of let it go dark because it travels better. So what when we get to the third wave, it's delicate, man. You get like two weeks from roast time to really get it peak and then it's fine. It's not killer but if you can catch those coffees in the first like two weeks while they're still really productive and off gassing you can get these real big fruit bombs stone fruits you know lots of cherries lots of things like that blueberry is like really this like hallmark of ethiopia um wow 
and it has to do with process too because ethiopia tends to be more of a natural process as opposed to like south american coffees which are really established coffee cultures where they've got really very very big infrastructure so they can like remove pulp from the beans and cherries in really kind of consistent ways but it also kind of takes a little bit of some of the weird idiosyncrasies of it think about tomatoes okay <laughs> you got and me. you know how <laughs> tomatoes are everywhere yeah like we haven't bought a tomato in this house in months because it's hot house tomato season in illinois yep, it's the worst <clears throat> it's just tough you can't get a good tomato yep.